Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazar. And welcome to the day after Thanksgiving. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, the turkey-based nap time that was <laughs> almost certainly induced. But here is this week's weekly recap. It's quite the full weekly recap including three men's basketball games, a women's basketball game, and then two volley cap matchups. So let's just go ahead and dive straight into the first men's basketball matchup, which was up against Providence, a 73-70 to overtime Wildcat victory in a game that K-State was short-staffed in, to say the least. <laughs> uh, well, they have, they've been short-staffed pretty much the entire season at this point, but you know, ended up winning the game in overtime. It wasn't the most fun I have had watching a K-State game. In fact, I would I would qua- I would classify as what I had as not having a lot of fun. Yeah, this was a game I was not able to watch live, but I was able to listen to bits and pieces of it. And I I think I caught the like the very end of the game. Like I got overtime. I think is what I was able to watch. Uh, so I got to see the, uh, uh, the, the so-called fight. Uh, it was more of a kerfuffle, I think, <laughs> or the very least I would, I'd call maybe a one-sided fight, but uh, that definitely hampered K-State going forward. Uh, but there were still some impressive performances to draw from this game uh, regardless. Uh, and this is a good Providence team as well. Uh, this is a team that has been in the NCAA tournament recently. Kim English is, is a new coach, but I think he's really highly respected as a coach. I think if uh, Dennis Gates at Mizzou doesn't work out, I'm like 99% sure that Kim English is like next in line to be the Mizzou coach, uh, given that he's a Mizzou alum and is really rising fast through the coaching world. So this is a good Providence team that we beat, even though you look at it and you say, oh, it's just Providence. But that's a quality side. Yeah. In terms of uh, starting stats, Tyler Perry uh, ended up going 4 of 7 or 4 of 11 from the field. 2 of 7 from 3. Did make all 14 of his free throws. He was at the stripe quite a bit. Uh, Had uh, 4 boards, 24 total points. Arthur Kaluma had himself a really good game as well. 6 of 10 from the field. 3 of 4 from 3. 3 of 5 on his free throws. 7 boards, 18 points. Will McNair has continued to be a really pleasant surprise throughout the entire year. Uh, Four of seven from the field, one of one from three, one of two on his free throw attempts, four boards, 10 points. David Gasson ended up coming in clutch during overtime. All six of his points came in overtime, but he also had six boards on the game. And then Cam Carter was a little cold shooting today. Two of 11, one of six from three, though he did have eight boards and five total points. I think the most notable stat line there is Arthur Kaluma, uh, because I think it's pretty easy to forget at this point. I almost did, but uh, this was uh, coming off of the game where he was benched and mm-hmm. uh, uh, did not play, or I should say he had an, uh, a minor injury is the official reporting. Although it's probably not a coincidence that uh comments about him not buying in and him missing a game occurred around the same time. I don't know that, 
I'm just inferring something. And Kaluma coming out and seemingly responding, going three or four from three, which is an area that he really struggled uh, early in the season, uh, that indicated to me that maybe he's a bit more locked in. Because before that Providence game, he was one of ten uh, in the season from three. Uh, and since that point, including the two other games that we'll cover, he's been much better. I'm not going to tally that all up and step on the stats of future games. But Kaluma, definitely much improved. That's the type of player that we need him to be going forward, especially as long as we don't have Naquan Tomlin. But uh, it was a big step forward for him. Yeah, you have the uh, bench players. Yeah, so really there's one notable bench player here, and that's Day-Day Ames. Uh, he played 36 minutes, was 2 of 12 from the field, only 1 of 4 from 3, but he went 5 of 6 at the free throw line, had 3 rebounds that were all offensive rebounds. So we finished with 10 points on the day, and then 4 assists uh, to 4 turnovers and 2 fouls, and he was ejected with like 8 seconds left in the game. And that resulted in him missing the uh, Miami game, which, which, which was a huge blow because we were already shorthanded and that made us even more shorthanded against a really quality squad in Miami. But uh, it is what it is, I guess. I, I don't really think he did anything out of line, but it's whatever. Uh, RJ Jones... And Jarrell Colbert were the other cats to record minutes. Jones only played seven minutes and went 0 of 2 with three fouls and a steal. And then Jarrell Colbert, he played three minutes and had one foul, and that was it. So you're, you had your top six guys and pretty much nobody else. In fact, really no one else uh, contributed in any meaningful way outside of those top six guys. And then you lost one of those top six guys for the, uh, the next game. Uh, so unfortunate turn of events there but uh still a really gritty win and uh the stats been thrown around a lot but drum tang now six and zero in overtime games in less than a year and a half or less than a season and a half uh as a head coach at k-state that's super impressive for a uh an experienced head coach yeah like massive that we're able to push through those even though this uh, i i kind of walked away whelmed after this game i i know i've been using that phrase a lot recently but it's, it's the best way to describe the game i i wasn't very happy with the performance but i was happy that we won but uh then the miami game happened we ended up losing 91 to 83 uh, though there was an attempt at a mounted comeback in the second half uh before we go into individual stats because connor you have starters uh we are not going to be anyone if we shoot four of 28 from three <laughs> No, definitely not. As long as we're running a five out where so much of our offense is going to depend on hitting our outside shots and keeping defenses honest like that, we're not going to be able to afford to shoot 14% from three, uh, especially when the team that you're facing goes uh, 12 of 24 from three and has uh, Nigel Pack on it. So that, that just made it even, I think, maybe more painful was not just that we were missing our threes, but Miami was just hitting every. Nigel Pack was hitting everything, really. Everybody yeah, else was just kind of there. Let's be, yeah, let's be clear about that. Nigel Pack was the one hitting yeah. just about everything. Yeah, he was the one that was making the threes uh, for Miami, but this was a not a great day, not a great first half. This was another game I really wasn't able to watch uh, much of, but 
I, I did see bits and pieces, and I was able to see uh, some of the comeback uh, there at the end, but uh, I wasn't able to watch most of it. But I'll go ahead and get into the starter stats now. Uh, we'll start uh, the top with the most impressive performance maybe of the season, uh, and that's Cam Carter. 38 minutes, 12 of 22 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3, which is not very good, uh, and then 3 of 3 at the free throw line, finishing with a career-high 28 points. So Cam Carter's already set different career highs like three times this year. Uh, if that's what we're going to be getting from Cam Carter this year, then the hype about him in the offseason was absolutely warranted. Uh, because, I mean, right now, uh, including the most recent game, his points per game average is up by 10 from last year, which is ridiculous. Uh, it's a bigger jump than I think most expected, even though I think a lot of people expected a jump from him. Uh, he also had five rebounds, four assists, three turnovers, a block, and two steals. Really, really, really good performance from Cam Carter. And he kind of took over down the stretch as well, uh, if I recall. Um, Arthur Kaluma, another really quality game for him. Uh, 37 minutes, six of 13 from the field. Only one of five on his threes, but I mean, nobody was sure. Nobody shot really well from three uh, in this game. So it's not an individual thing, really. Five of six at the free throw line, 12 rebounds. 18 points, so he finishes with a double-double. Five offensive rebounds as well. Uh, Three fouls, two assists, two turnovers. That's back-to-back 18-point games from Arthur Kaluma uh, down at this uh, multi-team event. That's massive. Uh, That's exactly what we need from Arthur Kaluma, and that's what we were expecting from him and weren't really getting those first few games. Uh, Tyler Perry, he was off again, 40 minutes, uh, 4 of 13 from the field, 1 of 9 from 3, made his one free throw attempt. Did have 8 rebounds, did have 5 assists, just 2 turnovers. He had a block at some point. That's kind of weird. Uh, then he had 3 fouls, but only finished with 10 points. Tyler Perry, I can like we can look at him and tell that he's a great shooter, but he's just uh, not finding the bottom of the net right now. Uh, at, at least not consistently enough to warrant the uh, kind of comments from Jerome Tang saying that he's the best shooter in America. So we need Tyler Perry to live up to those comments and what he's been talking about. Uh, David Gasson is up next. He's had a very weird season so far. He's been very up and down, uh, even within games, but he ultimately ends up being a pretty efficient player, and he's pretty much automatic around the rim. So he has that going for him. Uh, 23 minutes, five of six from the field. He missed another three, uh, three rebounds. So pretty low for what he's used to. He had four fouls, one turnover, a block, and ten points. So then uh, Will McNair, the last starter, he had 14 minutes played, two of three from the field. He had six points. Didn't have any rebounds, two fouls, made two free throws. That was it for him. So nothing incredible there from Will McNair, a little bit of a step down, uh, but he's still been remarkably consistent given how little time he has uh, been here. So a pretty solid day uh, for, for Will McNair, all things considered. Five, three, and three in terms of points each respectively. So, you know, it, it was clear that the team was really shorthanded and, you know, you never want to be shorthanded in anything, really, but especially in a game like this, this is the one game where you'd probably pick to have everyone back. 
especially given that you're facing an old friend in a with Nigel Pack. But you know, you can't win them all, and sometimes you lose them quite painfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, the one good thing that you can maybe draw from that from a how the bench minutes played out was Michaela Bridge. He is very inexperienced, uh, like 24 minutes uh, against really high quality competition. That's got to be super valuable uh, for him developing. Uh, that's 24 minutes of really high level, intense competition. And Michaela Bridge, even though you can look at him and you tell, you can tell that he's very raw. Like he is not a refined basketball player necessarily, uh, but he is, it seems like he's learning a lot quickly. His instincts are better than I thought they were going to be. So I, I'm pretty pleased with him getting 24 minutes, even if they weren't the best 24 minutes. Those are still 24 huge minutes that may matter uh, down once we get to conference play. Yeah. Then we get into the, the big one, or I say the big one, the biggest win. And that would be the game up against Central Arkansas. A victory, 100-256. Central Arkansas was uh, shorthanded, but, you know, it. this was a game where we sort of got everyone except for the walk-ons in. But just going over the starters, Arthur Kaluma, 7 of 11, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 in his free throws, 8 boards, 20 points. David Gasson had himself a pretty good game, 5 of 6 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3. He'll hit one on purpose one of these days. Uh, one of four from the free throw line, and then 11 boards, so a double-double for Dave. Cam Carter, four of ten from the field, one of four from three, six rebounds, nine points. Tyler Perry, two of seven from three, which are all of his field attempts, uh, six rebounds, nine points. And then you finish out with Will McNair, one of four, five rebounds, two total points. But that, that really doesn't tell the whole story because, Connor, you got the trio of freshmen, including one of the most brutal dunks that we have ever seen. Yep. Uh, before I get into those guys, I will just say uh, Gasson with the double-double was kind of out of nowhere. And he still had a David Gasson like, kind of mess up uh, on what should have been a very easy dunk instead he threw the ball into the rafters. And that's okay. I mean, he was still pretty much automatic. Uh, from close, uh, I mean, around the rim, he's just so smooth. And Kaluma had a his best game so far. So three straight double figure, high double figure, uh, Kaluma games. Uh, it's been really good to see. But getting into those bench players, uh, the three freshmen uh, were the highlights. I, I think that's pretty easy to say. Day Day Ames led the way. For bench scoring with 14 points, 5 of 12 from the field, including some really nifty uh, reverse layups. He showed off a, a pretty nice um, assortment of moves that you can use to get to the bucket. He had a nice uh, hesitation move. Uh, he had some crossovers, and he's had um, some reverse moves to get to the bucket as well. He's got great speed. But he um, also was 2 of 5 from 3, only 2 of 4 at the free throw line, uh, but he had 3 rebounds. Three assists, just one turnover. He finished with 14 in 26 minutes. Uh, Michaela Bridge, he had, a, I think, just two dunks, maybe, maybe one. But the one that he had, was he just brought the house down off of a uh, uh, Jarrell Colbert missing a layup on an inbounds pass from Michaela Bridge. 
and Buddy Rich saw that and just ran under the basket and just grabbed the ball out of the middle of the air and threw it back down with a tomahawk jam all in one motion. I can't describe it like well enough. Go find the video. Yeah, yeah go find the video. Uh, it, it was a fantastic dunk. And after the game, he said that he didn't react because it was just like an average dunk for him, which I think says a lot about how athletic Michaela Bridge is. And we, we've heard that from the players as well a few times um, after one of the games, uh, I think maybe South Dakota State, uh, all the players were saying that, you know, we haven't seen anything yet in regards to Michaela Bridge dunks. Uh, they've, so I imagine that remains true after that game. So I'm waiting for the big one. Uh, with Buddy Rich. I, I think that maybe we could be seeing some uh, pretty crazy dunks this year from Buddy Rich. But he finishes six of nine from the field, had some uh, really strong putbacks and a couple athletic ones as well. One of two from the free throw line, finished with 13 points, eight rebounds, split those eight rebounds between offensive and defensive, uh, four for each, and then two fouls. Then RJ Jones. He goes 21 minutes, two of six from the field. All of his attempts were from three, and then two of two at the free throw line. Eight points for him, one rebound, four assists, one turnover, and then one steal. So all three freshmen were high-level contributors in this game, so good for them. Drell Colbert, he played 17 minutes, three of six at the field, two of three from the free throw line, four rebounds, three of them on the offensive side, uh, and then two blocks as well with eight points. Dorian Finister, he had six points. All of them were pretty late. Uh, he went two of three from the field. He had a nice layup, uh, made a three in transition as well. It was one of two there, and then one of two at the free throw line as well. He had two assists. One of them was a lob, uh, and then he had a steal as well. And that lob was to our last player from the bench, Taj Manning, uh, who scored, I think, his first points on the year. Uh, one of one from the field, uh, that one was a dunk, and then one of two from the free throw line. So three points for him, four rebounds, three of them were offensive rebounds and three fouls and a steal. Uh, but I think the notable overall team stat was uh, 63 team rebounds uh, for K-State in this one, or 63 total. They had 11 team rebounds on top of all the individual ones. So that was the most they've had in a game. I think they said since 1997 against like Oregon State. So yeah. Pretty unbelievable rebounding night, granted against a very shorthanded Central Arkansas team. But regardless, you have to at least be conscious to do that. And this is a good rebounding team. And it's not just that, but the margin was just incredible. Uh, 63 total rebounds for K-State to 28 for Central Arkansas. I mean, that margin is borderline unheard of. So incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, by uh, by the Wildcats on um, the uh, the rebounding side of thing uh, side of things, twenty six offensive rebounds for K State in this one. Yeah, which is nuts. <laughs> but in terms of the upcoming games, there's only one that we will be covering in the next weekly recap, and that would be the Oral Roberts game on Tuesday in Bramlage. But other than that, you know, you'll you'll take a two in one week pretty much most weeks. <laughs> Uh, even yeah. if one of those losses does kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. And I think that this is, if you're going to take a two in one week, I think this is how you'd be fine with it playing out. You lose a game by eight to a quality team where even though you did get outplayed for a while, you did fight the entire time and you 
really made it close at the end and uh, cut the lead down to as little as, I think, six or seven. Mm -hmm. uh, you beat a really quality team in Providence in overtime, and you blow out a completely overmatched team. That's exactly what this team should be doing right now. Uh, one of those games was down three key players, and all of them were down two key players, which that's another thing that's worth mentioning is Naquan Tomlin was with the team for the Central Arkansas game. He was on the sideline in a street close and has seemingly now getting back involved with the uh, basketball team. So maybe a sign of a return, but there's nothing concrete. So I don't want to speculate on whether it's going to happen tomorrow or if it's going to happen in a month. So I'll, I'll just leave that to the basketball staff to announce whenever it may be. But that's at the very least a positive step in the right direction for getting Naquan Tomlin back. Yeah, which I think will be huge. Yeah, if we can get Tomlin to perform at a high level quickly and continue to have our guys like Cam, Perry, and Kaluma perform at the level they have been, that could be really valuable to have gotten this team used to playing without Tomlin and then get that additional weapon. That could be massive. I yeah, know, absolutely, because, you know, you you'd have preferred to never have to play without him, but you know, you, I guess, prepare for worst case scenarios. <laughs> yeah. But now we can go into the women's basketball game, a 75 to 57 victory over Wisconsin in a game that really was never in doubt. And also we entirely emptied the bench against Wisconsin, which is why they ended up outscoring us in that final quarter. The number one thing that I want to talk about is this game's announced attendance was 54, 24, which for a women's game, that's really good. And I'm really happy with that number. Do I think they deserve more? Yes. But, you know, I I think they deserve sellouts. And that I don't just, I just don't think that's realistic. But this was a really good turnout. It was an active crowd. It was a crowd that was involved in the game. And, you know, it was, uh, it was nice to see them come out and witness a, a pretty comfortable victory up against Wisconsin. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put this game is that it was very comfortable. Uh, once we got into the third quarter, I mean, we just eviscerated them in the third quarter. And this game got, I think it was upwards of a 30-point margin um, at its peak. And uh, we really, really coasted uh, in this game down the stretch. Or it never quite got to 30, but it got up to 28 early in the fourth but, I mean, we were just destroying them, and we really took our foot off the gas uh, late in this one and rested our starters for the most part, which was the right thing to do and the smart thing to do. Yeah. Speaking of the starters, you have them for stat lines. Yep. So, uh, Ayoka Lee, the AP National Player of the Week uh, this past week, uh, she uh, finished with 20 points on 9 of 16 from the field, made both of her free throw attempts, had five rebounds, four fouls, one assist, three blocks, and a steal. And she did all that in 27 minutes. I mean, this was a fairly dominant Aoka Lee performance yet again, but honestly, it was pedestrian for her to, dare I say, below average. For Aoka Lee, and that was enough for her to get AP National Player of the Week. So, uh, 
Yeah, that's not me knocking on her. That's just me saying it's incredible how dominant she is to where she's able to do these incredible things. Uh, Jalen Glenn, uh, next on our list, plays 30 minutes, four of seven from the field, three of five from three, two rebounds, four assists to one turnover and three steals with 11 points. And then Briley Glenn, uh, also four of seven from the field, two of four from three, one of two at the free throw line, three rebounds, two assists, a turnover, a steal, also finished with 11 points. Uh, Gabby Gregory, three of nine from the field, three of eight from three, one of two at the free throw line, added one rebound, had eight assists to just three turnovers, two steals, finishing double figures with 10 points. And then Serena Sundell in 23 minutes, only attempted three shots and was one of three from the field, one of two from three, uh, had seven rebounds, uh, two fouls, two assists, and three points. So a fairly quiet day for Serena Sundell. Uh, most of the attention offensively went to uh, Aoka Lee and the Glenn Twins, uh, which, you know, for once we were shooting pretty well from the outside and we did it against a Power 5 opponent, uh, which is always nice. Uh, but, I mean, the threes were falling um, early in this game for the starters, and that helped open up Aoka Lee later in the game. So this w- that was kind of what we need K-State's offense to be. Uh, we need the outside shots to fall to open up the middle. And if that can happen, this is going to be a really, really tough team to stop. But yeah, this was this was an ideal day, I think, for the offense. Yeah, I, I think you'd call this kind of like a blueprint game, honestly. I is a great way to put it. But I'll just kind of speed through the rest of the bench here. Uh, Jamia Harris, two of four, one of one from three, five total points. Gisela Sanchez, two of uh, four from the field, 0 of two from three. Missed both her free throws, three rebounds, four points. Eliza Moppin, two of three from the field, three rebounds, four points. Terrence Sides, one of five from the field, one of three from three, one rebound, three points. Zayanna Walker, one of five from the field, 0 of two on her free throws, four rebounds, two points. Heavenly Greer, one of two from the field, three rebounds, two points. And then Rebecca Dollinger, one rebound. So emptying the bench there. <laughs> Yeah, and also we're noting, I think, Terrence Sides, uh, five assists to zero turnovers. Uh, So she continues to perform at a really high level, even when the shots aren't falling at an unbelievable clip. Um, But, I mean, we this is a deep team. And right now we're playing at a level that is really high quality, and we're doing it without someone like Eliza Maupin, who we saw a lot of last year especially down the stretch uh, without Heavenly Greer, who was a regular rotation piece and without Amani Lester at all in this game. Where's Amani Lester? <laughs> but, I don't know, because she looked good. Maybe she, well, I'm not sure she would be redshirting because I think she played outside of the scrimmage. Yeah, she did. So I don't know. Maybe they're going to get the uh, Tang mystery redshirt. Dorian redshirt. <laughs> yeah, pull that out from somewhere. But I mean... This was a, I, I was at this game and the crowd was good. And ultimately, what this game came down to is that we just completely overmatched Wisconsin. We were just straight up better than them in every measurable way. And the only reason this game was within 20 was because we let our foot off the gas. And it feels really good to say that because this is a team that last year we kind of went back and forth with and we struggled with for a while. But I mean, this year, I think if, I mean, if we left our starters in the whole time, we'd probably win this by 35. And 
it was really good. It was fun. It was frankly boring. And that's, that's and that's fine. my that's what I want from this uh, women's basketball team. They should be making these games at times boring. And we also did recently learn the uh, meaning of the uh, team mascot, the, the gap goat. Uh, the gap goat. Uh, which, if you watch the games, occasionally you'll see a goat that one of the student managers raises uh, or um, holds up from behind the bench. The reasoning behind it is the team's goal this year defensively is every game to hold the other team three straight possessions without scoring and do that nine times in a game. And I think the analytics say, if you do that nine times in a game, hold a team three straight possessions without scoring, your chances of winning go up by like 95% or something crazy like that. (laughs) And so if we go three straight possessions without allowing points for the other team, the gap goat is raised. So we're probably going to be a lot of that because the defense is lethal. <laughs> that's maybe something that we should have touched on a little bit more. And that's, uh, that's on me. Uh, Cause I was there. I should have, I should have mentioned it more, but uh, this defense is just so good. They're suffocating. They're great at creating bad shots. Uh, and I'm so happy that we're not just running a sagging zone anymore. <laughs> Cause I mean, this is, this is the true potential of this team. And so much of it has to go with all of our defenders having really long arms, being really well-conditioned, and being really strong. There's just no passing lanes available for the most part. And we just clog the passing lanes, and we keep people in front of us. It's that simple. And if people do get to the rim, Aoka Lee's there, and she's probably going to block the shot. So <laughs> this is just a the defense that is set up for deep runs. This is the type of defense that you need if you want to really do something as a basketball team. This is it's super impressive to watch. And it's also great to see that they take a lot of pride in their defense as well. That's something that I I really like to see in any sport is a team that not just is good at defense, but they take pride in being good at defense. And this team definitely does that. Yeah. Uh, I also, before we move on, I do want to point out the objectively hilarious Jalen Glenn steal into Buzzer Beater Three. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That that was what that one legitimately made me laugh out loud. Just at, in my in the apartment, I just laughed hysterically. Yeah. That was super super random. Uh, to describe it as best as possible, we put up a three, we missed it. Uh, Wisconsin gets the rebound. And it's trying to get an outlet for a shot right before the end of the first quarter. And they throw it right at Jalen Glenn with like a second and a half left. And she like kind of sort of catches it. And she just kind of has to sort of throw it up without really having possession. And it just like bounces in somehow. And she did not expect it to go in. Like you could really tell when she made it. And she did not think she, she did not feel super confident. Yeah. But it uh, goes in. Uh, that honestly was probably the moment where Wisconsin's hopes of winning probably died. I like, like if the shots like that are falling for a team, then it's just probably not your day. And we saw the flip side of that with the men's basketball team against Miami. Uh, Nigel pack was hitting some crazy deep threes. And sometimes when the shots like that are falling, it just isn't your day. 
The next game's up for the women's basketball team. One has probably already happened by the time you are listening to this. It is up against Western Kentucky. I'd say watch it, but it's on Flow Hoops, so no one on earth will be able to watch it. Then Saturday, we'll be playing either North Carolina or Vermont. And then Sunday, it could be happening again. We could play Iowa again, depending on how the bracket falls. (laughs) Yeah, if we win both of our games and Iowa wins two games in a row, then yeah, we might be getting a rematch with Iowa, which is kind of weird, but I mean, I I welcome the opportunity uh, to help boost our non-conference uh, strength of schedule, if nothing else. But that it would be really, really odd to play the same team twice so quickly. Uh, in Twice in the same month for non-conference is like unheard of. So I... But it, it will, if nothing else, be a fun game to follow the stat track for since no one's going to be able to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I will say that uh, we will have to face a really good North Carolina team in order to get there. So it's not a gimme. You well, or a Vermont team. If we end up facing Vermont and Vermont somehow sneaks by North Carolina, uh, I'm feeling a little bit better about that matchup. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's a good North Carolina team as well. That's another really great point. Uh, can't overlook them. Uh, it's easy to overlook them because I was on the other side of the bracket, and like that, I think just has everybody uh, kind of enamored. But North Carolina is a, a, I think, a top fifteen squad. Top eighteen. Yeah, top eighteen. So they're, uh, I mean, they're really quality too. So we can't just completely overlook that. But. Yeah, yeah, they're 18th right now. Uh, they haven't really beaten anybody, but they're still good. So there, there's only so much we can draw from them. Uh, oh, apparently they're going to be playing South Carolina uh, in a week from recording. So uh, rest in peace. Yeah, but... rest in peace to them. <laughs> but now we can move on to the Volley Cats, which they. From the onset, they've finished the year strong by winning, what was it, 18 consecutive home sets or something like that? This volleyball squad, I think we said it on the last episode, maybe. Or maybe we didn't. Maybe we're, it was just when we were chatting amongst ourselves. This volleyball team has not lost a set since September 30th at home, I should say. Yeah. They've not lost a home set since September 30th. Since then, October 11th, Sweep of number 25, Iowa State. October 26th and 27th, back-to-back sweeps of number 8, BYU. November 8th, sweep of number 3, Texas. And then, of course, the two matches that happened this past weekend. Uh, Two sweeps against a not-very-good Texas Tech squad. So it was uh, still complete and utter dominance for the volleyball team. And what an incredible home opener season. Uh, what a way to open Morgan Family Arena, a.k.a. the Morgue, uh, for the Volley Cats. Yeah. But it was back-to-back 3L sweeps for the Volley Cats. In the first match, the highlights were really Aaliyah Carter and Anaya Clinton each with uh, – Aaliyah Carter had 18 total points, 15.5 for Anaya Clinton. And, you know, it's just really been – those two who've been playing remarkably well 
the entire year. Aaliyah Carter ended up hitting 268, Anaya Clinton 371. You and I have had the discussion that when Anaya Clinton is on, she's unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, Anaya Clinton at her absolute best might be marginally better than Aaliyah Carter, but it's really hard to say. But I was actually able to attend uh, this this match, the uh, first of the two uh, Texas Texas Tech matchups, I should say. Uh, and yeah, this was as suggested on the scoreboard, uh, especially in the final set. Uh, somebody, I think my personal MVP would be Izzy Shrzeski based off of what I watched. She was like unbelievable and kind of has been unbelievable. I mean, she had, uh, I think, one or two blocks where I think somebody was with her, but it was all her, like, I'm making contact with the ball. Uh, she had a um, couple of fantastic kills, uh, like, right off of a, like, miss hit from Texas Tech. Uh, Shulshevsky has been an unbelievable addition uh, to this program. Uh, what a great, great, great portal get uh, from Mansfield uh, from an Oregon State program that has not been good for a while. Going and picking out Shulshevsky and putting her in a position to succeed. She's been unbelievable this season. That's not to minimize what uh, Aaliyah Carter's been doing. I mean, Aaliyah Carter's been awesome, uh, especially as of late. Anaya Clinton was fantastic. Uh, and Mackenzie Morris, of course, she had some incredible digs. She had 18 digs in just three sets. Uh, so those numbers could have been even higher. Uh, but some of her digs were phenomenal. And generally speaking, our strategy defensively against Texas Tech was impeccable. It seemed like almost every single time we were in perfect defensive positioning for whatever it was Texas Tech was trying to do. Uh, there were really only a few times where Texas Tech really made something happen on their own. This is a this is a super fun volleyball team to watch. I like they're genuinely a lot of fun. If you missed out on getting to go to Morgan Family Arena this year, I highly, 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 highly recommend that you go next year because it is super fun to watch them play in person in such a cool venue. Yeah, emphasis on the the sentence there of missing out because I've only gone once and that was up against an Omaha squad that you know it wasn't full capacity I can only imagine what that place is like at full capacity because it was already pretty loud against Omaha yeah it, it was I got there about 15 minutes early and I was struggling to find decent seats uh but we were able to find some and it was pretty much packed to the brim there were people uh, that were standing uh, and it's like standing room only uh, people were there. People were, were there. They were loud. They were engaged and it was a super fun environment. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure uh, what we'll see next year from the roster. Cause there's kind of like conflicting information on if Aaliyah Carter's coming back or not, but Shulshevsky I think is certainly coming back. Uh, Clinton is, sure, is certainly coming back. Uh, a lot of our core is coming back. Bolding's the only one that doesn't have any eligibility left. This is going to be a really fun team next year, and they still have a game left this year, which I, I know I'm jumping all around the volleyball outline, but uh, this has just been maybe the 
this might be the most fun team I think that we've covered so far this year. Uh, the volleyball squad, just the ups and downs of their season, and but also just how dominant they've been to finish, and this incredible run that they've made to take themselves from having a disappointing year to if they win on Saturday, maybe being an NCAA tournament lock. Yeah. Uh, we can go ahead and just the, – the second Texas Tech game is more the same. Anaya Clinton and Aaliyah Carter both had excellent games. But, yeah, I, I do agree with you. Like, the next matchup is up against Houston. If we end up beating number 22 Houston in Houston, which is a big ask, this is almost certainly a tournament team. And I think they've made enough of a point for now to be a lock for a, a tournament team. And this is a ridiculously fun volleyball squad, you know, especially considering last year how there were times where you and I were like, oh, uh, well, you know, we're throwing in the volley cats. Like, we, we like the volley cats, but it was more of a, oh, we have to talk about the volley cats this week. No, 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 not anymore. No, this is a, oh, cool. We get to talk about the volley cats again this week. Yeah, I think your word choice there is key. Because we're going from have to talk about the volley cats to get to talk about them. I, I, I like you differentiating using those two words because uh, I, I think that's the precise way I feel as well. Uh, K-State's 57th in volleyball RPI right now. That's almost entirely because of K-State just kind of not really figuring it out early in the season. Dropping a head scratcher to Lipscomb. Uh, dropping a head scratcher on the road um, at OU and then dropping a home match to Cincinnati was rough, but they have so many quality wins, like quad one wins. I don't know if that's the standard that volleyball uses, but uh, it's really going to come down to, will the committee care about current form uh, for a volleyball squad? Like, would they take us over, like the 56th RPI team if the 56th RPI team finished on like a four game losing streak compared to us. Who's won like five of our last seven or something like that. And has swept like, I think three currently ranked teams. It's going to come down to stuff like that. Like how much they're going to weigh us sweeping Texas, sweeping BYU twice, sweeping Iowa state, uh, beating TCU. I think we swept them as well. Uh, like how much is that going to matter compared to some of the losses that we had that were head scratchers uh, with they may just ultimately just boil it down to the number and just like drag and drop like, okay, RPI team 31, 32, 33 until they just run out of space, which I hope they don't do. That'd be pretty disappointing, but I, I don't want to go through another baseball situation, dude. I really, really hope that we don't have to because uh, this team I think the volleyball team that we have seen in the last month and a half is an NCAA tournament team. The question is, will the volleyball team from the first month, month and a half of the season prevent them from being one? I don't think it should. I do think there's something to be said for performing and doing your best at the end of the year if you're a bubble team but I don't know if that's something that committee is going to take into account, but I, I really, really, really hope 
that this team makes it to the NCAA tournament because I do think that they could rattle off some wins. Yeah, I think that they could rattle off some wins, and I think it'd be really fun. Like, I don't want the season to be over for the Volley Cats. I think that maybe is the crux of it. You know, we want to see this team continue to play. Uh, they're so much fun when everything's clicking. And I I, I don't want it to end, this, like, like, like you just said. Like, like, we don't want this season to end because there's a lot of really fun pieces on this team right now. Yeah, and a lot of them are coming back. So next year should be fun as well, you know, knock on wood. But... Yeah, no wacky segment this week. Just going to let everyone ride out on the high vibes of the Volley Cats. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville A Cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal though, I am at AC Edward 00. I'm at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in our Twitter and podcast bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>